Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Welcome into the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. The only rule is that we must watch a movie that is below a 6.0 on IMDb. We are very happy to welcome back John Kurtz. If you remember, John Kurtz was on our Nacho Libre episode. All three of us strongly dislike Nacho Libre. And then you said, invite me back, and you actually picked Good Burger. So we are very excited to have you join us today, man. How you doing? Uh, much better than last time, I can tell you that much. I am uh, happy to talk about my guys Keenan and Kel. We all are very excited about this. We're all around the same age, so we all grew up on 90s Nickelodeon, love all that, love Keenan and Kel, know who loves orange soda. I'm happy that we're reviewing this movie. Good Burger is a 5.7 on IMDb out of 10 out of 31,000. Good Burger has a release date of July 25th, 1997, has a budget of $8.5 million. It made $23.7 million at the box office, a commercial success Good Burger was. Not that surprising, given how popular Nickelodeon was in 1997, especially these two individuals. Especially considering, I mean, one of my fun facts, this is based off a skit from the show All That. To basically take a skit from All That and turn it into a box office smash is a win. We see that with SNL, but you can do a more adult themes with SNL. To take a Nickelodeon skit and turn it into a thing, that's that's a smashing success for old Keenan and Kel. The box office that week, Air Force One was number one, George of the Jungle, number two. Here comes the Men in Black in number three. Contact, number four. Has anybody seen or heard of the movie Contact? I have no recollection of this movie. Heard of it, haven't seen it. Good Burger comes in at number five that week. Good Burger in at number five. Let's start with this. I actually think Good Burger, for the most part, holds up. It's going to be a little bit corny. You know, we're no longer in the demographic of it. But if you're somebody like us that grew up with the love of 90s Nickelodeon, I think you can still watch this today and still find this movie to be fairly enjoyable. I liked it. Well, no doubt, because, like, nostalgia's hot right now. Like, especially, like, millennials, like, our age. Like, we're all about the nostalgia thing, whether it's music, movies, anything in pop culture. So I feel like the, this is the time. Like, maybe that's what we're doing with this podcast. We're starting the Good Burger revitalization here. Let's this bring it back. This is 100% a movie where I did watch it, and I'm like, it still holds up. I actually think if they, no, they have to change it for 2023. But if they released a movie like this, and you had a kid, and you took this kid to the movie, you wouldn't walk out being like, ugh, I just had to drag my kid to, you know, the Paw Patrol movie. I assume parents hate doing that. You'd walk in and be like, that was funny. It was goofy, it was corny, but it was what it was. I can imagine in 97, my parents taking me to this, walked out being like, not the worst movie I was taking a six-year-old to. You know what? I actually came up with this, and I want to run this theory for you before we kind of get into the movie. I thought this movie was a combination of Dodgeball and Barbershop 2. Because if you remember, in Barbershop 2, there's nappy cuts across the street. Mm -hmm. So there's the competition between the local barbershop and the new and improved barbershop across the street. And the villain for Good Burger is basically Ben Stiller from, yeah. from Dodgeball. That, that's a great point. Like, I when I was watching it, I did have the thought. I was like, that's the Globo Gym of burger joints, obviously. Mondo Burger over there. Like, similar color scheme even. Like, down to, like, they're kind of, like, purple and black. So, yeah, it definitely gives you those vibes. That's actually... I. It's a tried and true like Hollywood trope. Like new person comes on the block, they're the villain trying to push the you know local out. I mean, there's probably if we really dug in and thought about it, I bet we could find more movies that follow this path. But yeah, Barbershop Two and uh, Dodgeball both hit this very well. You know how they do like pop ups for certain places. You want to know the pop up? I'd be I'd be excited to go to a Mondo Burger pop up. You go to the Mondo. Wait, wait, wait you want to go to Mondo Burger? Why wouldn't you go to the 
Because Good Burger is just high boy. Like if you want to go to, <laughs> like if you want to go to book Good Burger right now, you can go to Good Burger. Like you don't gotta like they don't have to theme it anything special. It's already there. Mondo Burger with the color scheme and the big burger on the top. I would love a Mondo Burger pop up. You gonna be okay just eating your burger with like those giant like helium cans sitting yeah, there full absolutely. of poison? Okay. And whatever right. chemical they're dripping into it to make it go from a regular burger to a Mondo burger, whatever chemical formula that is. I thought this movie was pretty likable, man. I'm excited to review it with you guys. This movie starts with talking good burgers in a very weird dream sequence. There's some stuff that I didn't really need. This wasn't a way that I needed to start the movie, but it's also good burger. I'm not going to be too hard on it. I legitimately said when I that first scene came on, I looked around and I was like, is... Is the whole plot, is he supposed to be high this whole movie? Is that what this is? Like, I thought that's where it was going, and then I very quickly was like, okay, no, never mind. Which is, a, I actually thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, he's high? I'm like, which thing is a six-year-old when you see this movie, you would never thought, oh, he's high. That's a, <laughs> It's a very adult catch to think, that I had the same thought. I'm like, I don't remember this movie where he was stoned, but never mind. We're introduced to our hero, Ed, who is late for work and is rollerblading to the job. In the process, he drags a kid down the street kidnaps a baby and ruins a pickup basketball game. It is officially summer vacation and we meet Keenan Thompson, Dexter Reed, who can't uh, wait to get out of school. Well, while driving home, he avoids Ed on his rollerblades while he's out making a delivery and he gets into a car accident in his mom's ride hitting his teacher. See, when I left school today, I didn't think I was going to run into you this summer. Oh, I didn't think you was going to run into me. I mean, just run into me like this. You in trouble with me, young man. Dexter has to pay for the damages to the total of $1,900. So you know what? He's got to get a summer job. He starts at Mondo Burger, but it's not going so hot. And he gets fired at orientation before he ever gets started at Mondo Burger. Do you think he even got paid for those couple of days that he was at Mondo Burger? Do you think that he drew a check from Mondo Burger? Was it a couple of days? Or was I, it just I like one day? A day, yeah. I don't know. He made it through the first day. I thought that Keenan at one point said, I got fired on my third day. That's what I oh, thought okay. he said at one point. It's possible. I actually thought as the movie started, I was thinking about this. We, as our age and Nickelodeon fans, have nostalgia for Keenan and Kel. We, the Keenan and Kel have been our lives for the whole time. But as an adult seeing this movie, was Simbad the biggest draw? Like the biggest box office reason to get people out there? Obviously, the Nickelodeon element gets the kids, but like Simbad's the biggest star in this movie that's like an actual star in it, right? Yeah, but I, also, I think to your point earlier, you were making the point about, well, if you're an adult and you take, you know, a kid to mm -hmm. the movie. Like, Keenan and Kel was enough for me. It didn't matter who the adults were. And, I mean, there were enough all that characters in there. Fizz is yeah. from all that. Lori Beth mm -hmm. Denberg pops up. She's from all that. Like, they had really built up Good Burger. Where if you're an adult, like, well, who else is in this? Oh, I know Sinbad. He's recognizable. Like, he's the only recognizable person aside from Carmen Electra in the whole movie if you don't really watch all that and aren't really into Nickelodeon. Yeah, I was, just, I was thinking about it. I'm like, because, like, like I said, as a kid, I was like, oh, it's Keenan and Kel. This is awesome. But as an adult, I'm like, Simbad's probably the biggest draw. Simbad's the one that probably got the fattest check to walk away from this thing because he's the only person with any cachet or star power. Well, it's funny. To me, it was like kind of, you know, you have teams that have the stars and jags theory. I feel like that was kind of the movie. It's like you have the cast of all that, which I guess I would have to go back to 97 to know how big of stars they really were at that point. But then you have like Carmen Electra, Shaquille O'Neal, um, and and some of these stars just like sprinkled in and then just a bunch of nobodies that you've never heard of. So it was an interesting philosophy there. I would say Keenan and Kel, when you really think about it, there weren't a whole lot of like, you know, there weren't a lot of kid movie stars during that time that we were kind of to the point like 
Urkel was young. Mary Kate and Ashley were young. Like there were just fewer famous people. Like Kenan and Kel were like, yeah, I think they gave them their own television show as a spinoff. And I mean, this movie is based off of how well you like Keenan and Kel to the tune of $25 million mm-hmm. in the box office. They were a big deal in 97. Yeah, and we, did we mention this already, that they were like 18 and 19? Stole one of my fun facts. I see how that's gonna, I see how it's going to go. Whatever. Rob's mad. Rob's <laughs> mad. <laughs> you stole one. Uh, I just want to point out that Rob's fun fact is how old they were. Yeah, Not like a... some deep dive into <laughs> the movie. Can we work a little harder? They, <laughs> you know how old they were in this? Why is Dexter so mad that he has to get a job? Thank you. I was That, that is something that dawned on me. Listen, maybe it's just our lives, but at 17 years old, having a summer job was the norm. 17 year old out of school, you're in high school. It's not like the norm was, Hey, come home, kick your feet up and relax. Maybe like the first week of summer, like you take that first week to decompress, but eventually you go get like a Jimmy John's job. You eventually go work at your local high V you do something to fill the time because at 17, your parents are like, you are killing me. Get out of the house. Why did he act like this was akin to being shipped upstate? Be, well, I would agree with you that it was the norm, and I had a job at this age. But did you hear the man's plan? The man's plan <laughs> sounded awesome. He was going to go wake up at noon, chill by the pool with some ladies every single day of the summer. That sounds better than working at Mondo Burger. I mean, that was my plan when I was 17, too. But I also knew that some of those days are going to be a little sprinkling of a Jimmy John's delivery. That's just the way it works. <laughs> was he going to make enough? Because he had to come up with $1,900 for Sinbad's car. He also had to come up with the money for his parents' car. Was he going to make enough on $5 an hour when they take out taxes to be able to pay this? He was going to work all summer and still owe on the car. Well, he also got screwed because it wound up being like 2500 right? Like the, the body shop. Yeah, yeah. The body shop got him too. Dexter is over at Good Burger overdosing on milkshakes and ed comes over and helps him find a job we get to meet the fellow good burger employees i thought the cast to this was really really likable like i thought you i thought the movie did a really good job of making you love good burger and hate mondo burger even now you're like man i don't want them to win i hate the fact that nobody's at good burger and they're over there eating at mondo burger even before you know why the burgers are so big at mondo burger i thought the movie really did a good job of making you feel something one way or the other so i don't know if this is a fun fact or not, here we but go here we go i wouldn't call this a fun fact the guy who played otis the super old yeah, guy yeah, yeah. like the one who's just been there forever do you know that he was in The Godfather? <laughs> the actor, the wow. actor who played Otis was in The Godfather. I'm not saying he was a star. It wasn't like he was Pacino in The Godfather. But you're right. I thought it was an interesting, interesting filmography for him, but I digress. There's no chance that man's still alive. He definitely died about seven years ago. Let's see. Uh, he, yep, 2016. Okay, yep, 2016. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah that, that man definitely died a little bit ago. R.I.P. No, but they did. And they also did a good job of, like, it made it like this uh, hodgepodge, a bunch of oddity groups but they all come together in the end you have the manager the weird girl the old guy you have like it it was an odd collection that was somehow likable because it was a little bit of from everywhere type deal for the good burger staff how did dexter get a job with no driver's license because when he gets into the car wreck he tells sinbad i don't have a license he said i'll get you my license in a year he then gets a job doing deliveries for a restaurant doesn't have insurance doesn't have a driver's license 
I mean, you could have just had him work behind the desk. You could have just had him work. He didn't have to be doing the deliveries. Yeah, but one of my favorite parts of the movie is the vehicle. It is cool. Like, the vehicle mm-hmm. is great. It is cool. And the, scene, like, the scenes where they're just like swerving around and stuff are far less funny if it's not a giant freaking burger swinging around. The guys from Mondo Burger stopped by to let Good Burger know that they've taken over the burger business. Hey, check it, Ed. It's the Mondo Idiot. Oh, well, nice to meet you, Mondo Idiot. I'm Ed. Huh. What, well, Ed? You better watch your butt, man. It's open at night for Mondo Burger, and things are looking bleak for our friends across the street. The Mondo Burger is twice as big and also the same price. We can admit it. 17-year-old John Kurtz, 17-year-old Rob Britton, you would have been eating at Mondo Burger over Good Burger. Across the street, they have the lights. It looks fun. Good Burger looks old. Mondo Burger looks hip. We can we can acknowledge now as adults. You know what? If if this if these two places were across the street, I would not have been at Good Burger either. I will say, seventeen year old me would have been at Mondo Burger. I think like now in my thirties, I'm like I kind of dig the hole in the wall sort of place and kind of vibes. So you it, you know you're throwing like Town Topic or Mondo Burger out there. I mean like I might I might go choose Town Topic. I actually was just thinking that you're right. Seventeen year old Rob was gonna be where like it was cool, it was hip, it was happening because you had to be like. Being in high school, you had to be seen at places. It wasn't just enough to be like, oh, I've had Mondo Burger. You had to be seen at Mondo Burger. So, yes, 17-year-old Rob is definitely going to Mondo Burger. I mean, 15-year-old Rob spent time at Twister's out in Overland Park. (laughs) Twister's is not a good ice cream place, but I had to be seen there. That's what 15-year-olds did. So, of course, at 17, I'm at Mondo Burger. But as an adult, give me the Town Topic style. Give me that Winstead's vibe, which is 100% what Good Burger had. Dexter and Ed are on their lunch break, and Ed has brought his own special sauce. He accidentally spills some onto Dexter. The sauce is a major hit, and the plan is to put this sauce on all of the Good Burgers. Well, the plan is working, and the restaurant is jumping. What's in the sauce? Ed's ingredients. He made it himself. Ed? Excellent. It's awesome. It makes me glad I'm not dead. Ed, if we put that sauce on all the Good Burgers, and everyone will want to eat here, we'll knock Mondo Burger right off the map. How did they let the city know how good Ed's sauce was? If you think you got some special sauce that nobody knows, but nobody is coming in the Good Burger, how did they get the word out? What was the marketing strategy? I would say this. I, we presume this is a relatively small town. I'm not saying this was, you know, downtown New York City. This isn't like, oh, man, word of mouth is spreading through all of Los Angeles. This had suburban, small town vibes. Word of mouth is a big deal in towns like that. Someone goes in and goes, hey, they put this sauce in the Good Burgers. You guys should go try it. They go try it, and it grows exponentially. And the more people that go and like it, the bigger a deal it is. Just think about every time a new restaurant opens in Kansas City. Word of mouth hits before anyone has eaten a single thing. People were raving about Hawaiian bros before they broke ground. How is that possible? Word of mouth how they did it. I just assumed it was the glory of radio advertising, right? <laughs> it had to be radio That's advertising. That's what it was. That's the only way. Can we also talk about, like, there didn't seem to be much quality control on Ed's sauce. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm a sauce guy. I love sauce. But I did watch that man stick two grapes in his nose and then eat them. So I'm a little skeptical about what's going on in that sauce. When he was making the sauce, he had, like, milk of magnesia. He put a whole (laughs) onion in there. This is just to make Big Mac sauce. Big Mac sauce is not enough to save Good Burger. That's literally what he made. He made that special sauce that they put on Shake Shack burgers. That is not enough to save it. 
because the plane is going so well, Dexter approaches Ed with a sweetheart deal. Well, he wants 80%, and he's only going to give Ed 20. Let's do the math here. The deal was that Ed was going to get 10 cents a share for every burger that got sold, mm-hmm. right? On the first day, he made $67. You know how I many good burgers you were out here slanging then if that's the case? If you're going to get 10 cents a burger and you made $67, there's no way that place can do that kind of volume. No chance. What, do, what do you think Town Topic does in a day? I mean, this is probably, what, 6,700 burgers? That's what the math is on this? 6,700? Uh, no, six, it's 670. Six, six, 670 burgers. I mean, that still seems like a cents, lot. Yeah, it's 10 cents. 10 times 10 is the dollar. So, yeah, for yeah, for 67 bucks. This is bad math, bad movies, and worse <laughs> opinions podcast. Well, my point is, let, let's say they do 670. Let's think that's the math. I could see Town Topic on a Saturday night slinging out more than 700 burgers. I, I could see it. I see that as a possibility. You're right. The deal is screwing Ed. But, I mean, overall, I could see that being a possibility burgers-wise. Ten cents a share when you're the only reason that this company is still viable is terrible. You know what? That Especially makes- they're giving him $5 an hour and then he gets 10 cents for every burger. No, I need a dollar for every burger that gets sold and we're up in the price. That's a great take. You know, I think the, the movie leads you to like <clears throat> hate on Keenan for taking from him. But what about the corporations, man? It's these corporations taking money from everybody. Don't hate on the everyman. Hate on the corporation. Well, speaking of hating, Mondo is hating on Good Burger with all the success that they're having. This was one of my very small flaws in the movie. I think that Keenan and Kel have a moment on the roof where Keenan tells a story about his pops, which I don't really know why he tells the story because it really only comes up for about three minutes of the movie. I say, did we ever get that paid off? I don't even like, nope. really think we did. I guess it maybe gets paid off when he then uses the small amount of money that Keenan gives him back to then pay for the yo-yo, and it's like we just kind of left that there. Oh. But it was like very small payoff. It was like Keenan tells a really good story about his dad. Ed made enough jokes over the course of the movie. I didn't really need another Ed joke there. I thought that was one of the things like, all right, if you're going to try to now give me this heartfelt moment, don't completely step on it by Ed continuing to be Ed. Either don't have this part in the movie or let the part really kind of be what it can be. Well, I guess the payoff there is really that you're just setting up how kind-hearted of a man Ed is and how much Keenan is supposed to be the a-hole for screwing him on this. I mean, I guess that's really it because it's just the setup for the yo-yo thing, and then, I mean, that is it. But they do sell the idea that, like, oh, look, he's, you know, he's got an other side other than being the jerk. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but you don't get paid off enough and you don't really learn enough about him. Be like, oh, he actually does have a soft side. You're kind of like, oh, who cares? And I didn't really need another example that Ed was pure. Like, Ed mm-hmm. the entire time, Carmen Electra walks in there and is ready to do whatever for Ed, and Ed has no interest in it. Like, Ed's shown that he... It was full of virtue the entire time. I, I actually really think need I, you guys going up on the roof to show me that. I get. I, I agree with you. He is the pure of heart whole deal. I think the Carmel Lecture scene, I know we're jumping a little bit ahead here. The Carmel Lecture scene actually shows that he's a doofus more than he's pure of heart. Because I don't think he understands what Carmen Electra is trying to do to get the secret sauce. I just think he's confused. They have him like pivot between the ultimate doofus, like in the shake machine, just like the epitome of doofus and super virtuistic, like pure of heart. They don't, there's no gray zone. They flip, they go zero to 60. I think in the Carmen Electra scene, they're trying to highlight that he's a doofus. Cause he doesn't get what Carmen Electra is trying to do. So our friends have a special delivery. This one is to the great Western forum and to Shaq Diesel himself. Here's your good burger. <laughs> Little man, order tomatoes on this good burger. I don't see no tomatoes. Well, hang on. 
<laughs> Consider yourself tomatoed. <laughs> You're not like other people, are you? Uh, um, go, go ahead, Shaq. Take a bite of the good burger and tell us how you like the good sauce. Very good. Huh. You heard it here, folks. Shaquille O'Neal, a man who enjoys good food. What is you guys' favorite Shaq nickname? So if you go on Pro Basketball Refus, Shaq, the Diesel, the Big Aristotle, Superman, Shaq Fu, Shaq Daddy, Warrior. No one has ever called Shaq Warrior. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite one was not listed on there. When he went to Phoenix, which was a failed experience, he went by the Shaqtus, and I loved that. I don't the know why. Shaqtus is good. He yeah. went by the big Shaqtus. Again, the time in Phoenix was terrible for him and the Suns, but being the big Shaqtus made me laugh. I did love the big Shaqtus. Remember when he was in Phoenix, he did that uh, dance with the, uh, with Jabberwockies. the Jabberwockies yeah. on the All-Star break? Oh. Yeah, man, big hey, Shaq. Mine is Kazam. That'd be my favorite Shaq. Mm, that's a good Kazam. one. Yeah. That's a good one. Mondo Burger sees this on television, and they make the decision to increase the size of their burgers. Kurt sees Ed and offers him a deal to, to jump ship for a raise. He says no. Mondo Burger has to bring in a reinforcements with Carmen Electra. She invites Ed on a date. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> you are so hot. Oh, well, I often sweat at work. <laughs> so, you hungry? Yes, I am hungry. But not for food. I'm hungry for you. Oh, well, well, I'm not edible. So she can hopefully steal his recipe. This turns into a double date affair with Ed, Electra, Dexter, and Dexter's love interest, Monique. The date is going great for everybody but Roxanne. Carmen Electra was such a baddie in 1997, man. Such a baddie. Is this peak Carmen Electra? That's, I wanted to talk about that. Like, what is the equivalent of today? Like, if you were casting this today, what would be the Carmen Electra equivalent? It's wow, a great question that because is a great question. Carmen Electra is famous not for being an actress. She's just famous for being an attractive person. So is, is it, I think Kim Kardashian's too old okay, to be yeah. the equivalent, but it's got to be someone in that vein, Addison right? Addison Ray? Would you maybe have Addison Ray pull up? And do, hey, show up for one day, super influential on TikTok, attractive woman. Yeah, I could I could see an Addison Ray or a TikTok star. I'm not as familiar with TikTok as I probably need to be, but you know what I think you get? I think you get the girl from LSU, the gymnast. Oh, you're, oh, you're living, right. Living you're done. Right. Yep. That's right. why I think you get that's do it. Do, I, I think that's it. Yep. I think you get her to show up. She shows up for one day. She does a scene. You give her a name, image, and likeness deal. She makes $50,000 to do this one scene in a popular movie. That's who I think you get to go. And you nailed it. And people, both young and old, are like, oh, that's Olivia Dunn. Like, oh, cool. I know who that is. Like, because Carmen Lecture was famous, famous at this point. But, again, famous for more a Playboy model than an actual actress. I wrote this down. Lori Beth Denberg deserves her flowers. She was only on the screen for about two minutes. She was incredible in the two minutes. Like to be her age and do that voice and be able to pull that off, Lori Beth Denberg was a rock of all that. She deserves her credit, man. I mean, she was probably this. I thought she was always the best on all that. Like, yeah. no offense to Keenan or Kel, I thought of all the characters, she was the best in that show. And the fact that she never became anything is crazy to me. That's why I was going to look at. Oh, man. You, you want to know what her net worth is? It's going to make you Nothing. sad. It's going to make you sad. I don't believe those Google net worths. Well, it says 750K is her net worth, man. I mean, she deserves better. Way better than that. Yeah, I don't. Lori Beth Denberg, man, I'm telling you, man, wherever you are, hopefully you're listening to this, Lori Beth. I want you to know that this podcast appreciates you. Monique finds the predatory contract that Dexter has Ed under and drops his sorry ass. 
Well, they're all outside out back. A stray dog comes by and tries to get something to eat from our pals. They feed the dog Mondo Burger, but the dog won't eat it. And that lets them know that something is up. Here, have a Mondo Burger. Uh, he's not eating it. Well, what's wrong? I don't know. He definitely looks hungry, though. Try a good burger. Would you look at that? See? I told you there was something wrong with Mondo Burger. Well, and he knows it, don't you, boy? Oh. He definitely senses something he doesn't like. What do you think it could be? I don't know. Let's find out. So Ed and Dexter go undercover to find out exactly what's going on at Mondo Burger. Well, we find out that Mondo Burger is putting a chemical into the meat, and that's why the meat is so big. I hated the fact that they had Kel and Keenan in lingerie and dressed up as well. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. It just seemed like there was a better way for you to have them go undercover and then Kel's sitting there like, I don't know, man. Just wasn't a big fan of this. I wasn't a fan of this 10-minute stretch of they go and drag and then they go in this place and then the next scene they're in the mental office. I just, I wasn't a fan probably a little bit lazy as far as the plot goes to to actually get in there and break in but i i thought the the mental institution part was at least kind of entertaining um i'm with you on the first part i thought the, the mental institution was all right honestly this entire 10 to 15 minute spiel is something that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast like does this movie hold up this whole scene does not hold up you cannot make a movie well, in 2023 right where the bit is they dress up as women nope can't do that you then with the way we view mental health nowadays can't be like Oh, they send them to a mental institution and look at all these kooky, crazy people that are in an insane asylum. This whole 15 minute stretch is where I was like, oh, that's 1997. That's where <laughs> yeah. it really stood out to me. Yeah, I guess I was just really thinking, and you know, I've heard a lot from, you know, current actors like, hey, they wanted me to do this and I refused and I felt like it hurt my career. When you think about it, like this was just such a common thing where at some point you just had to dress up like a woman like Martin did it at some point. Chris Rock did it in an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Keaton and Kel did Like, this was just a thing. At one point, there's going to be an episode, and the joke is going to be, ha, 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 funny, look, you're dressed like a woman. Just, I, I'm very happy that we moved past that point. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, You're right, though. It, did, it wasn't unique to Keenan and Kel. I'm just saying, like, 2023, they don't use that bit no, ever all. again. I, I got a point to make on the burgers, though. I mean, they're juicing the burgers. This is the era of Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, man. Like, every, America <laughs> loved juicing. Are we sure that, like, that should be the real downfall of the burger? I feel like everyone loves that in 1997. They were putting illegal substances in to make it so big, you know, just use more meat. You know what I mean? Just grab you a more scoop of meat, pack you an extra big patty. The thing is, they got too greedy, man. They got way too greedy. You got to figure out a new promotion here. It's not adding more harmful chemicals to make the burgers bigger. You sell a bigger burger at the same price. Keep what it is. You got to get creative. Add some other things on the menu here. You got to do some other stuff. Or sell the experience. We talked about the beginning. The Mondo Burger facility definitely had more of a vibe. It definitely had more of a, oh, this is fun to be in here. Good Burger was like, being inside Winstead's. There's nothing wrong with Winstead's. We've all been in a Winstead's. But no one's ever been there and been like, man, there's an energy in here. It's just a restaurant. <laughs> Mondo Burger should have sold that. Instead, they sold out and put HGH in the burgers. Yeah, just have a DJ pull up, mm -hmm. put a little bounce house outside. Like, there was other things you could do to get people. And every place that you go, there's a fast food restaurant. And then around the corner is another fast food restaurant. The two can coexist. 
the Burger King can be there and the McDonald's can be across the street and both can do really well in the spot. Mondo Burger was worried about absolutely destroying Good Burger and having them close. Just keep making good food and keep, you know, making people happy. It's a classic. It's a tale as old as time, C dot. Greed, greed, man. Greed, greed, greed. So our tandem gets kidnapped and they get sent to a mental health institution. I, I hated this scene and loved it at the same time. The dance scene was fun, man. I, the dance <laughs> scene was cool. They started playing the music. Ed then gets up there. George Clinton is there. They play the Funkadelic song. They start dancing. I want to know how they're all doing these choreographed dances. Like, you guys didn't coordinate this before. How does everybody know this dance? I did like that part of it, but you're right, Rob. This is just a scene that could never, ever fly today. No, it just doesn't happen in 20. 20- we don't talk about, we talk about mental health now as a like, hey, express yourself da, da, da. it's not send them to the loony bin that's not how we do it anymore it was fun and we see a similar bit it's not the exact same but we see like the kooky people in happy gilmore at the retirement home it's kind of a similar vein but yeah we can't do this in 2023 so the losers for mondo burger sneak into good burger to mess with the special sauce they put some shark poison in the sauce and they get spotted by otis who is staying at the restaurant Otis then joins our friends in the mental institution. Now the race is on to get to Good Burger before the restaurant sells the poison sauce. And our friends get there just in time for Ed to Goldberg spear an old woman, stopping her from eating the sauce. Ed and Dexter are ready to go back to Mondo Burger to get a canister of the chemical that they are putting into the meat. Dexter tells Ed to grab one of the cans. Ed has a different plan. He pours large amounts into the meat causing the burgers to get so big that they explode. Mondo Burger is about to blow, and the folks are getting the hell out of Dodge before it's all said and done. The burger ornament from the top of the restaurant lands on the substitute teacher's car as Mondo Burger comes crumbling down. You poured that stuff in that meat, didn't you? No, I had to. You had to? Sure. See, I knew if I took the can, there was a good chance I'd get caught. Huh. Then I thought, even if I did take the triumphal thought to the proper authorities, huh, Kurt would hire some high-powered attorneys who would dispute any charges brought against him or Mondo Burger by manipulating the legal system. And the way that America's court system is congested these days, it would have taken months to convict him of anything. So then I thought, I'll take the matters into my own hands and just pour the triampathol into the meat supply and let Mondo Burger be a victim of its own foul play. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is the best news that Dexter can hear. Dexter doesn't have to pay for that car anymore. You know what's about to happen? Mondo Burger's going to pay for that car. The insurance is <laughs> yeah. about to pay for the car. I wouldn't have given him a dollar at that point. He, he he still gives him money at the end after the burger falls in there. No, I'm not paying for this. Their insurance is about to pick up the tab for this. I got away scot-free. No, but see, I think what you're missing here is we're, we're seeing character development, okay? Mm-hmm. Dexter has now grown into the type of person that's going to say, look, I got to honor this. That was my fault. I, I hit your car. I messed up your car in the first place. I'm going to pay up my bet even if it doesn't matter anymore. And you get the little cheap joke where he, like Sinbad's all upset because, you know, the, the Mondo Burger fell on it. And he's like, but, but, uh, you're right. It's the virtuistic. He did the right thing. He paid off his debts. Now the loop is complete. That's why he got Monique. Monique's not hanging out with him if he's not going to be this virtuistic guy. Hold on now. This was one of my complaints at the end of the movie. We never see him pay back Ed. He stole money from Ed. We never see him pay Ed back. He gave Sinbad money before he gave his boy the money. He was stealing from Ed. We know he stole from Ed. At no point, Monique finds the contract. 
He then rips it up at the end. He doesn't hand Ed any money back there. He's still a crook to me. He's still a jewel Ooh. thief. Ooh, okay. A All thief. Right. Yeah, but he ripped up the contract. That's like the, look, <laughs> I, I, I care about you. T-. Yeah, he may have got over on him for a while, but now we're all even now. Everything's all square. Okay, but Rob, if I say that I'm going to take 20% of your salary, and then I take 20%, and then six months from now, I'm like, man, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. It doesn't matter if I don't give you back the money <laughs> that I've been taking this entire time. It's not like, oh, man, you know what? Thanks, man, for doing the right thing. No. You, you, had, him, you had him under a terrible deal. Pay Ed his money back. That's fair. Real quick, fun fact. The guy who wrote this actually pitched a sequel with the entire cast to the studio. It included the second one would be a conglomerate from London tried to come in and buy Good Burger. And they were, there was a whole script about it. The network, no, not the network, the studio said, no thanks, we're good. And eventually, like, three or four years later, made their own Good Burger 2 that no one is aware of. Can you, like, in 97, can you imagine being like, this movie was a hit, we're going to not do a sequel? I don't understand that. They tried to make Good Burger without Keenan and Kel? I was just going to say, like, who's in that? Nobody wants to see this movie. You know they're actually making a Good Burger 2 in Paramount. They're coming back with it on Paramount+. Plus. OG cast? Yeah, that's what I believe. Okay. There you go. Man, this is the same thought process as uh, what led to what could have been a sequel. Could have been the same grouping. But yeah, there was no sequel. They turned it down. Rotten Tomatoes gives this film a 4.3 out of 10, an approval rating of 33%. The consensus reads, quote, Good Burger might please hardcore fans of the 1990s Nickelodeon TV series that launched Keenan and Kel to stardom. But for all others, it will likely prove a comedy that is neither satisfyingly rare nor well done. I don't think that Good Burger was trying to make anybody else happy, though. Like, I don't think that's a fair criticism of this movie. Yes, if you love all that and 90s Nickelodeon and Keenan and Kel, you will like this movie. If that's not you, then this probably isn't a movie that you should watch. I thought this movie did exactly what it was supposed to do. Yeah, like, I feel like they should get credit for that. Like, I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that critical statement but like they accomplished what they set out to do like you should get credit for doing what you set out to do they weren't trying to do too much they're the guy they're just trying to slap a single man they know they know their role they're not trying to hit this thing out of the park they're just slapping a single and they went the other way and did it well i think actually they mean i agree they're trying to slap a single they end up with a double they were top five in the box office on opening weekend no one imagined that i i get why the person is harsh on it if you go into this movie being like i'm ready for comedy you get a nickelodeon show for 90 minutes i get being like this is not it but i think this movie is for the nickelodeon generation and the idea was they're going to drag their parents let's entertain them for 90 minutes that's the goal and i feel like they nailed the goal yeah i mean if you really think about keenan and kel have made nickelodeon a lot of money Mm -hmm. they were the stars of maybe their most popular show during that time all that like if that was their version of saturday night live snick was their big show and this was the pillar show of that they were the stars of that show they sold a movie for you guys i love to see like harriet the spy maybe some of the animated Mm -hmm. movies are different but this was i mean you you spent $8 million and made $25 million, a significant windfall, and then you gave them their own show, mm-hmm. and that show went four or five seasons. Like These are the biggest stars that Nickelodeon potentially created was Keenan and Kel. I would say it's the biggest people stars. Like I would tell you like SpongeBob yeah, is probably yeah, no, a yeah, bigger right. star, but like you're, as far as like actual human beings, yeah, I can't imagine anyone touches Keenan and Kel as far as pure popularity. SpongeBob would have paid Kel back. That's all I got. <laughs> no, SpongeBob <laughs> definitely would have paid him back. It's funny because I think they tried to do the same thing with Amanda Bynes. And, and just they spit on the wrong person. Yeah, that's what it is. Because like Keenan, for as long as Keenan's been in the spotlight, 
You don't really know much about Keeney. He had the one incident where the man was with his wife, but, I mean, most people react unfavorably if you're going to sleep with my wife. Keenan hasn't been in any controversies. Keenan is one of the he, the major success child star stories. That's actually a good point. Thought of it like that. I mean, from our era, yeah, they're like, you know, Jason Bateman was a child star. Yeah, Drew but Barrymore. There, there are people like from the 90s one, Keenan Thompson's the guy. He's the big success story long term. The reviews, USA Today gives this star two out of four. Quote, saying Good Burger is not very well done, but it does have energy. The Variety says, quote, the meat of the piece is the definitely FDA cinematically approved and perfect if you like this brand of entertainment with the works. Roger Ebert. How do you think Roger Ebert felt about this movie, Rob? He probably disliked it. He's disliked everything we've ever done. He gave the movie two out of four. Quote, it didn't do much for me, but I'm prepared to predict that its target audience will have a good time. That's fair. That is the most fair review yeah. I've ever heard. Hey, I am a godfather Pulp Fiction, I'm watching movies at the highest of cinema. This movie's not for me. But if you are a kid, I'm sure you'll like this movie. I can't be mad at that, Roger Ebert. Thank you for that. That's he, what I'm, I'm getting very upset about the fact that they keep saying not well done. Like, what do, you, what do you mean by not well done? Because, again, what they were doing was well done. I thought the movie had a likability to it. I think it had a charm. I liked the cast of it. I thought this movie was really good. I think it's funny. I think you get some good laughs. I think even now in our 30s, I watched this movie. I still chuckled, yeah. It still makes me feel good. I laugh at certain times. Ed's doing stuff. He's got the grapes up his nose. He makes you laugh. Yeah, this movie's fun. If you go in thinking I want like a fun, nonsensical, goofy movie, you are not walking out upset. Now, if you walked in being like, oh, I hear this is a cinematic masterpiece, yeah, you're walking out upset, but... It's goofy fun for 90 minutes. They, I think if that's their goal, which I imagine it was, I do think they did it well. I, I never once looked at my like looked down at the time and been like, all right, like how much more do I have? I did that 10 minutes into Nacho Libre. So the, way different vibe here. When a hero comes along, Kurtz, I'll let you go first. Give me a person, place, thing, scene, etc. Something that you thought was a hero of this movie. Oh, the hero of the entire movie? I am going to take the casting of the staff at Good Burger. I think they did a good job of like showing that like, hey, it's like this old timey restaurant. They have like the worry work manager. They have the old guy in Abe. They have Monique. They have a little bit of everything. They're all kind of eclectic people. It made the work environment fun, but I could see how when things were bad, it wasn't fun. I think this way they cast the staff of Good Burger was perfect. I think the staff of Good Burger is my hero. I'll give you some time, Kurt, to think about it. I'm going to go the use of music in here. There you go. Kel sing, I'm a dude. She's a dude. That was funny. The use of George Clinton was good. I thought the soundtrack was really cool for this when they're playing mini golf and they, I got, oh, I remember this song. Yeah, I actually think the use of music, I thought the Good Burger soundtrack was good. I'm giving it two thumbs up here. So that's going to be my hero for the film. You know what? I'll go back to my theme of like stars and jags with this whole thing and just say they did a good job of utilizing some real star power there. Like Carmen Electra, pretty limited in terms of what she's going to be able to do as, as an actor at that point. But like, very well executed for the scene where she's trying to do the honeypot thing and seduce him. Shaq is just great in his little appearance, and that's like peak Shaq time. Dropping him in there I thought was really well done. I enjoyed Sinbad. I thought Sinbad was a great uh, aspect of this movie, too, used very sparingly. So I think they did a good job of that. Doing too much, the opposite of when a hero comes along, give me something from the movie that you thought was just trying to do way too much. I, I mean, am I, do I have to take the obvious here, just the, the stretch that we talked about that was not great? The uh, 
the cross-dressing plot where they're trying to get in there and dress up as women and then into the mental health. Just all the stuff that doesn't really fly in uh, in 2023. I'll take that. Yeah, I was, I was. if you didn't take it, I was going to take a little hanging fruit. If you don't take that, I think the, you know, doing too much is probably that scene you talked about on the on the roof with Ed. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but it seemed to be jammed in there for the sake of being jammed in there. It didn't really benefit a movie at all. I think if you trim that eight minutes out, the movie doesn't change in any form or fashion. I get they're trying to add some heart and layers to a character. I just think they didn't ever pay off the layers they were trying to build. So that's my doing too much. We don't need a heartfelt story in the middle of a goofy comedy. I'm going to give Ed my doing too much for this very simple reason. I remember whenever Rob and I watched Big Mama's House and he was like, this is just a series of the same joke over and over and over. And that's over. fair. Ed's humor is the same humor every single time. Every single joke Ed tells is the same similar joke. I'm going to give that. I think it's funny, though. Like, that's kind of Ed's charm when you're a kid. You just don't really laugh at it. But Ed responds the same way every time. Is that, do we want to branch bigger picture here? Is that why Kel didn't take off as much as, like, Keenan did after that? Too I would say like Kel, a one-note kind of guy? I think Kel may have gotten typecast. Because even in Good Burger, he's that. In Keenan and Kel, he's that. Go watch an all that skit. He's like the over the top goof. He never has, he did, or at least in my knowledge, watching Nickelodeon, never shown range as an actor. Now Keenan, I would say he's a lot of the same in all those things too. But he plays the straight man, not the goofy guy. The straight man translates to anything. You could like watch his SNL skits. He usually plays the guy where it's like, "What is happening? What are you doing?" Like that's his role. It's always the straight guy. Like, that's translates. I wonder if Kel got typecast and couldn't find a lane to be goofy, hilarious guy as an adult. Where Keenan just kept being the same character, but we evolved it. It is kind of crazy because, it, you know, if you had told all of us when we were 18 years old, hey, one of these guys, almost to the point where they're 40, is going to have a great career. Which one would you have picked? I think all of us probably picked Kel. Like, Kel was the reason that you watched. Mm -hmm. Like, Kel was... Kel was the driver of the Keenan and Kel show. You know, like he's the one that's doing the funny stuff and then Keenan kind of tries to keep him in line and then it's like, ah, here it goes. And the who love orange soda. A lot of the reasons you laughed were Kel. And then it just was like, it ended for him. And then Keenan just keeps rising and rising. And I also think for Keenan, he never really like tried to do like, he then got the SNL job. And most people kind of do the SNL thing for five, like, this is what I'm good at. I'm really good at sketch comedy. That's all all that is. All that is just the kid version. You graduated to the to the major leagues. Mm -hmm. Good Burger is just one long skit. Keenan found what he was good at and it's never Keenan hasn't done a bunch of movies. He has he has found his niche in life and he has made a lot of money doing it. And there there's something to be said for that, man. Like I I appreciate the fact that he did that. Like it it reminds me of the scene in Hitch where, you know, they're like telling Kevin James, like, just just stay right here, man. <laughs> yeah, just stay, stay right, right here. here and everything's going to be great. Don't need any of this. Did. Don't need any of that. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that's amazing to me, like we all, you know, we all work in sports is just like we all get it wrong on athletes, right? Like you've seen a guy in college like, man, there's no chance that guy doesn't translate. Can you imagine being a casting director and you meet Keenan Thompson at 12 years old and you there's something about this kid. He's got a chance to be a star. And he actually becomes a star. Like, you got to have a real special gift to see a teenager. And then, I mean, think about it. If you were the one that found Keenan Thompson, you made you made Nickelodeon, what, $50 million? 
75 you know what I mean? like, right? over the course yeah. of mm-hmm. it you made nickelodeon 50 to 75 million dollars off you finding keenan thompson and then you just kept doing you found amanda bonds you found kel mitchell like it's mm-hmm. the same thing with disney channel like to have that eye for talent to be able to spot it in teenagers is something that always blows my mind I would say Disney has taken that mantle and run done a better job with it since 1997. You're right. There is that person out there, and I was a Nickelodeon kid more than Disney Channel kid, but basically since Keenan and Kel, I think maybe Disney hired that singular person away because Disney's been pumping out the stars, and Nickelodeon ain't like that anymore. Good Burger. Hold on. Good Burger had a 5.7 on IMDb. John Kurtz, is that too much, too little, or just right? I think that's about right. Like, I'd, I'd probably say six or a seven, but I'm going to up that a little bit just because of the nostalgia factor for me. Like, if I were watching it in, and well, if I were watching it in 1997, like eight-year-old me, I'm sure would have given it like 110. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I think that's what it, it's, it's, it's solid. It's enjoyable. It does what it should do. So, like, on a scale of, like, movies of that ilk, it's probably more like an eight, nine, or a ten, but just in general, Putting it up against other movies, I'd say six or seven seems about right. Yeah, I think it's five point seven is a little too low. I would bump it up to like a six one, six two, six three. It it's a funny ninety minute Nickelodeon skit. There are some elements where you're like, if you want to get really critique, you're like, oh, it's not really great filmmaking or whatever. And like the two thousand twenty three part that we've talked about, you can't do that again. But it is a fun, goofy comedy. I I wasn't looking for it to be a home run to be a ten. It. Held my attention for 90 minutes, so I think 5.7 is a little low. I'd bump it up a few points. It's funny because I actually think that this is just right, which is funny, because I would say I probably like 90s Nickelodeon mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more than both of you guys. I just think its appeal is so limited in its scope. I think you have to kind of knock it for that. This movie only works for a specific person. Like, I don't know if you show this movie to a 12-year-old if they love it the same way that we loved it. I don't know if you show it to, like, a teenager today they love it the same. I think it works if you were in that time or you're our age and now you go back and watch it. I'm not really sure if this movie holds up really for anybody else. So I think 5.7 is about right. Maybe I could go a little bit more, but you kind of know my thing. Six Mm. is normally the barometer of a good movie or not. Even if I change the score a little bit, I don't think I could put in the six range. 5.9 would probably be the highest I could put for this. I love Good Burger. I think it's a cult classic. It's a funny movie. I think this is about the fair score for, for this movie. I think that's totally fair. Again, if you're comparing it to other like stupid comedies like this, you can up that rating. But in general, keep it there. I know you're happier now that you got a chance oh to God. do this one because I know the whole the whole Nacho Libre man. I'm happy you got. I'm, I'm happy you're out, man. I just had to like that was you know when you get a bad taste in your mouth, you just got to like rinse that out. This was this was a nice little mouthwash uh, episode for me to get that Nacho Libre taste out of there. You don't want to watch more Nacho Libre, <laughs> oh, <God>. Nacho. <laughs> this is another episode of the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie and we only watch movies that are rated below a six or less on IMDb. Do us a favor, do all that things that podcasters ask you to do. Like, review, subscribe, give us five stars, do all of those things. Coming up next week, we will watch a Will Smith movie. I don't think we've even decided what Will Smith movie that we're going to watch. But next week, we will do a Will Smith movie for the 4th of July. Kurtz, man, we appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks a bunch, man. Anytime, boys.